Andrew McGahan here for Severe MMA. The pride of Limerick. The young man named Sean Sheehan. The Severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot. And I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Episode 85 of the Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Andrew McGahan joined as always. Limerick's favourite son. Mr. Sean Sheehan, ladies and gentlemen. Sean, how are you this fine evening? Bonsoir, Andrew. Very fine evening it is indeed. Not too bad. Can't complain. <laughs> Big week in the sport. It was beautiful. So, bedding in now for a good old podcast here as usual. Mm. Bringing you all the latest MMA gossip, news, analysis, just general chit-chat. So, that's, that's pretty, that sounds pretty good to me. Yeah. I've relocated the studio. The severe MMA podcast HQ is now in the comfort of a nice warm sitting room, Sean. Nice. Desk set up. Stand set up. Why be in a cold room, away from everyone, you know, shouting at a man across the country in Limerick? True. Well, come here to me. What's your seat heating situation in the sitting room? So we've got double glazed windows yeah. in front, but to the right is a single pane. Single pane windows, like the ones that will get condensation on the inside oh. of them. Like they're ninety style. Yeah. And I believe they're like such a long they are such a long window. Wait a minute, I'll turn the video on for you and then you'll be able to see them behind me. But so, do you have a, like, do so you have a radiator the, or a fire? That's or just like one what? big window. Yeah. And then if you see where my juice is sitting, that's a radiator yeah. underneath it as well. Oh, yeah. In the corner over there, in the middle of the room, there's a wee wood, wood burning stove. Oh, I like that. And do you ever they, use it? Like, Yeah, it, it'll start to be used again now in, in the next weeks and months as, uh, as the winter sets in. We have a fire in our house, but we haven't used it since we got cinder heating in about fucking 15 years ago. I, I love a fire. There's nothing better than sitting in front of a fire so, on a cold winter's evening. Keep that thought, Sean, right? Because yeah. we are going to continue on the topic of fires, but I was standing in work today behind the bar and there is a wood-burning stove near the bar, you know, yeah. So and that will probably be turned on later on in the year. And I was did a big clean today. I was very bored. I was just taking stuff out. I was wiping everything down. Yeah. And you'll never guess what I found. And this isn't, I'm not lying here because it, it, it interacts with the story. Go on, what do you find? An ROS nutrition shaker. Really? Belonging to one of the staff. Belonging nice. to the manager, one of the, the general manager of all of the places that I work. And he came in and ended up collecting it because one of the other lads, one of the managers on rang him and said, this is yours, you left it here, blah, blah, blah. And he was coming in anyway. And I was like, oh, yeah. do you order from ROS nutrition, do you? And he was like, I do actually, yeah, I like them. And I was like, do you want to get 25% off? And he said, how can you get me 25% off? I said, this sponsored the Severe MMA podcast. Use the discount code Severe MMA, you'll get 25% off your next order. And he said, that's fucking unreal. <laughs> isn't, it, isn't it amazing? The isn't way that, these I, was, I was beaming from ear to ear, Sean. I'm not going to lie. It was just, what? it was a nice little thing. What do our rest nutrition actually do to Andrew? I don't think I've so, heard it before. For those that don't know, okay, as you know, well, I was, he's not in that good of a nick, but he's, he must go to the gym <laughs> a couple of, couple of times a week, you know? But he's, yeah. he's a lean, trim man. Looks like he could bench a good bit. If you're one of those people, if you like going to the gym, whether for recreational or for sport, we have just the thing for you. ROSnutrition.com. In myself and Sean Sheehan's humble opinion, Ireland's leading nutritionist com- uh, nutrition company. They're partnered with the Dublin GAA team, Sean. That's why they're able to keep going. You always see it in matches. Um, the mighty Dundalk FC as well under the wing of ROS Nutrition 
But if you are an aspiring mixed martial artist, if you want to one day get capped for Ireland, either in rugby or soccer, maybe you want to be the next rowing sensation in the country, Sean, after our Olympic triumph, and you need to stay in peak physical shape for maybe a future Olympic Games, head on over to orsnutrition.com for all of your supplementation needs, whether it's recovery, whether it's pre-workout, whether it's proteins, both both whey and plant-based proteins over on orsnutrition.com. It is full to the brim with top quality products. Sean, I know that sounds good, but would you believe me if I told you it gets better? Not a hope. Well, unfortunately, in telling the story, I kind of already give it away. You did, yeah. But once you're at the <laughs> checkout on the website, if you enter the code SEVEREMMA, you will get 25% off your first order. That's, That's too much. We That's... tried to only get 10. You yeah. know, we said, look, we're fans. We like the listeners, but we don't like them that much. Come on, no, boys. Don't be, don't be bursting the bank for these, these suckers. Not, not really, of course not. But um, they said, no, lads, tough. We're not taking any any less. Yours are only getting 25% off. We said, no, fair enough. We'll take that for the good folk that listen to the Severe May podcast. 25% off your first order on orosnutrition.com using the discount code SEVEREMMA. Sean Sheehan. Yeah. Where can the good folk find them online? ORS Nutrition have a good presence. You can if you just search ROS Nutrition on Twitter, Facebook, all those fine places, you'll, you'll find them. ROSNutrition.com obviously is a website, as Andrew said there. All the good stuff, vitamins, everything, 25% off. Promo code, severe MMA. ROSNutrition.com. Excellent. So back to wood burning stove, Sean, right? <laughs> <laughs> just before we get on to the, the firefight that was UFC 203. 203, yeah. Um, we are going to talk. I am a big fan of the wood burning stove because it heats your water as well and it just gives a general, a big hit of heat when you walk into the sitting room. But there is nothing better than warming your arse in front of a fire. Yeah, not putting your hands and in front of your arse. Oh, oh, you beat me to it. <laughs> the hands just, and you could only keep the hands there for a little while. Yeah. Sometimes it's you could warm. be, sometimes you could burn yourself if you wore a pair of jeans at the fire, that can always be dangerous. You won't last as long there. But my favourite thing was after warming myself suitably on the fire, going and sitting down straight away so the heat is just spreading around your stuck, legs. Yeah, it's kind of stuck in there. We, oh. we used to have a range actually in our kitchen. Remember, you're probably too young to remember a range. range? Yeah, a range. I don't know what that is. I guess, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like a big fucking, it's like a, it's like a stove. You know, there's like a, you can cook things on top of it and it heats the water and shit. Yes, and do people put kettles on it as well? Yeah. and You, you kind of lift the thing warm. up. It could be a steel cap and you lift it up. Yeah. You could put toasties in it. And you fuck wood into it and shit. Oh. Yeah. Let's get a range. What are they called? There's like a famous range. Jeez, I don't know. But they're very antiquated now, ranges are. So you wouldn't see them in many places anymore. Do you still have one? No, we don't have it anymore. No, we got it taken out and we got this introduced as well. I think we actually had it for a while, but then, it was huge. Like it was like taking up the fucking half the kitchen. It was that was the the old school way of heating the water. Yeah, and the same way uh, people had to go to the well. Those that listen will know that there is oh. in, intense audio production that goes into this, Sean. And I think we may need to one day release the last three minutes of a conversation <laughs> that we have just had. Here, I actually. Uh, I can save you here. I actually have a good story, right? Okay. Um, 
I'm not sure she's do you know what she's like this person she's like one of my father's like aunts or something like she was like really old when I was young right there's a story about her apparently years ago right a rat got into the, the to the their house right and they had their range open this is a, an oddly similar story and it got into the range right and um they like put the top down the range like oh we fucking let it burn the thing in there just you know let the rat die like just burn away or whatever so that was grand they left it in there for like an hour or whatever and then they opened up the range again what did the rat do just jumped out right uh, fucking on fire like set the fucking room on fire <laughs> I don't know that the house burned down or not I was asked, I was actually asked by father again but like the rat went down like set loads of fucking room on fire that they like called the fire brigade and everything no way yeah that's actually a true story Zella. it's weird I just remember that there as you were talking surely you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't do that do you know, you'd, you'd wait two hours you'd wait longer yeah, than an hour I suppose maybe they did I don't know how long they waited maybe I had the story totally wrong but th- that definitely happened with a rat setting I, a room on fire anyway I don't even want you to go and correct this story because yeah, it's, it's perfect story. the way it is Sean <laughs> and don't let anyone tell you different but unfortunately what wasn't the perfect story what wasn't the perfect fairy tale or ending happened this past weekend the long awaited UFC debut of CM Punk Mr. Phil Brooks himself Talked to the cage this last weekend at UFC 203 against Mickey Gall. Sean, there was a nice bit of backstory to this. You know we love a good backstory here on the Severe MMA podcast. Mm -hmm. Nearly two years ago, the MMA world was shook to its core. CM Punk announced that he had signed with the UFC. And a lot of people thought at the time that it was a reactionary signing by the UFC because maybe he had been talking to other promotions and they were thinking... Well, if he's going to do this, it's better to bring him under the banner and have him do it with us than maybe give somebody else that incredible exposure. I think it it wasn't just a wrestler transitioning over to mixed martial arts. It was one of the biggest wrestlers in the world, one of the best wrestlers in the world, leaving the WWE disgruntledly. Do you know, a public beef going shooting on Raw, do you know what I mean? Just going off mic all the time and being vocal afterwards after he departed. That was a huge factor I think in the UFC even deciding to sign him in the first place if he had left the WWE on good terms if nothing had happened maybe not maybe the witness said okay we need to get this guy in and give him two years what do you think am I talking brown talking pony I think it was a little bit of that and a little bit of UFC was in a very different place to where it is now I was actually talking to Patrick Wyman about it today on Twitter like people seem to kind of forget a little bit that when he signed at the end of 2014, the UFC had like, you know, Anderson Silva had, was, well, where was Anderson Silva? I don't know where he was, but he was close to go, like, he, losing his belt or he lost his belt. I think he had lost his belt at that stage. George St. Pierre was gone away, you know. They were struggling to find stars and it was that, it was around that stage that we were thinking, where's the next star coming from? They had a terrible year with injuries and stuff. And at that point, someone like CM Punk, who was, as you said, a biggest, probably the biggest star in the WWE at the time, looked like someone who could come in and get them big pay-per-view numbers. Now, what has changed since then is Conor McGregor and Ronda Rousey have come along and basically saved the pay-per-view market. Uh, there's been a huge upturn in the pay-per-view market with boxing and, and MMA and everything. It's, you know, it's, I don't think anyone really expected it to come. Plus, CM Punk took a lot longer than we thought to have his debut. 
a lot of the, you know, a lot of the shine that we expected from the start kind of wore off. And we were like, is this ever going to happen with the injuries and all that? And by the time it did, it was, you know, it turned out to be a little bit um, anticlimactic. Look, we we don't have the pay-per-view numbers back yet or anything, so we don't know exactly how well it did. But we know how well he got paid. We know how well he got paid. Yeah, he came out today, 500, 500 grand, I suppose. We'll, we'll talk about that soon, but... We spoke about a lot, like a lot last week that I think we both kind of agreed that he put in the work and he deserves to get his place. Well, not not that he deserved to get his place, but he did it kind of the right way. He went about it right, and I kind of still feel the same way. Um, my biggest problem with it is that they did bad matchmaking in this fight. You know, Mickey Gall is just a level above CM Punk, multiple He's, levels. Multiple, yeah. God. Sorry, I, some, I said 10 levels above on Twitter and someone said, oh, Sean, it's more than that, <laughs> which is fair enough. Like, it's just like, should have given him a proper can. Even Mike Jackson, you know, even he might have been bad enough to lose to CM Punk. It was just, uh, that's what I, I found was the biggest problem with it for me. Like, people are talking about, okay, he got paid, he got paid 500 grand. Every, we knew he was going to get paid. He's a big star. They brought him in because they want to make money out of him. Let's be honest here. I wrote I wrote in my article like it's a kind of a bucket list thing for for him and a money money making um, adventure adventure venture for the UFC. And look, that's what it was. Let's be realistic about it. He did it the right way. He says he's going to carry on fighting MMA. He's going to carry on preparing. Is that true? If he like, if the UFC hadn't assigned him, would he have actually got into MMA? We don't know, and I suppose we'll never know. But I think the point is, Dana White and Lorenzo Fleet at the time offered him the money, and he has said he's made no qualms about saying it. That he he he'd be stupid to turn down that money. Why would you turn down that money when when someone is standing there offering it to you? Like he left the job he hated, and then someone offered him five hundred grand to do something he wanted to do anyway, and something he's a passion for. So like, if they did, like, if you you did that this morning, someone turned up at the nightclub and go, "Here, Andrew, we'll give you five hundred grand for next two years. You go and train BJJ every day for next two years. Well, of course, you do it. Like, if you do, you know, if you to go on fucking EBI or something, like, you're gonna do it. You know, and that's what he was given basically. So, look, we know it's not fair. Other fighters should be given more money, or other people should be in there before himself. Fair enough, but he, look, he wasn't taking anyone's pay, space. He wasn't taking anyone's money. He was in there. He got it himself because of who he is, because of the big star he is. And, you know, it it didn't go too well for him anyway. Sean. Yeah? I was just daydreaming in the prospect of being able to train jiu-jitsu two years and then get to <laughs> compete on EVI. Please tell me you watched it. I did. Oh, Ki- I just oh, myself there. There you Sorry. are. Gordon Ryan won again. King didn't? Ryan. Don't worry, we're getting to that later on. Just wanted to get that out there straight away. My what boy, a man! Your boys yeah. making a play for the Sheehan Dream Team. Anyone I champion always comes good. Like that's just a fact that is it. Talk to me about uh, the fight in itself, okay? And like I know there was different opinions in the severe WhatsApp fight night, but I don't think he looked as like aside <laughs> from the fact that it was the most terribly timed strike in the world. I I just think that people were so quick to be like disgrace, disgrace, disgrace. It was like. That's exactly, like, if you train jiu-jitsu and if you've been in a jiu-jitsu gym, that's exactly what somebody who's been doing jiu-jitsu for the guts of two years, three years, like, fair enough, he trained with Henner Gracie before, and like, but to be honest, from what we've heard and seen, maybe wasn't at a great level, just recreationally trained. 
Do you not see him tapping him with those arm bars in the on that video? No? I I did, I did, and <laughs> I well look. Some <laughs> people can do it in the gym, Sean, but can't do it in a fight. That's all I'm saying. You know, could have yeah. been that situation, but um, it ju- it did look exact. Like I've seen it thousands of times, not thousands, but hundreds of times. A brown belt rolling with a two-year-old white belt. Do you know what I mean? It looks exactly like that. And if anything, it was a white belt who had got the brown belt when he was tired. Do you know because he was able to stop the guard pass at the start. Do you know he was able to defend on the back a little bit. He wasn't taken down destroyed past his guard easily his back taken the choke went on like there was a couple of times I thought he could have tapped from yeah. the rear naked chokes and he kept fighting and kept fighting now like that's I'm looking at the absolute utmost positive out of this situation out of a first round submission after giving up your back but um, definitely not as bad or definitely not as shot like appalled I suppose as I thought I was going to be yeah <laughs> It's funny. I don't think he did as bad as I thought he was going to be do either. Honestly, that that's how low my expectations are. I think more than actually what happened in the fight. Look, he came in. Duke Rufus said to him. He whispered in his ear before, "Throw that right hand. Oh if, yeah. If it misses, push him up against the fence." And he came out and he threw the right hand. Look, I give him, I give him credit for doing that because a lot of people have come out. You know, they did stick and move early. They try to make it. They try to make it. Uh, you know, last a little bit longer. But CM Punk came out and he tried. He tried to land that right hand and knock him out, and it didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work. He t- went down, took him down, mounted him, finished him. Basically, uh, why I say he didn't do as bad as I thought he'd do, I like you know, I I put an audio in the WhatsApp group there the day before the fight, and I said exactly what was going to happen. Play it. Go Play get it. it there somewhere. But what I said was he's going to take him down. He was going to mount him. CM Punk gave up his back and he chalked him out, which happened. But also, as you said, CM Punk, he defended one of those chokes. He got, a, you know, he had him in a clear rear neck chalk and he got out of it and then he chalked him out at the second time. Fair enough. But there was a little bit of positive. Like, he wasn't a complete and utter novice. Like, you know, you could see like, if that was fucking me going in there in, in the same situation, like, I wouldn't have been defending that chalk. I wouldn't have been sticking my legs up against the fence trying to get out, you know. It's, it's obvious to see that he's a, like, a complete complete and utter different level like Mickey Gall is just above CM Punk, not even in the same universe. Like, it's like fucking, you know, Brandon Thatch against, uh, against Damien Maya on the ground or something like that and even more because Brendan Ash is not, probably not that bad but like CM Punk a lot of guys when you get in that situation you know where Mickey Gall was baiting the head off him from the back mount a lot of guys in that situation even like give up they, their necks but not they'll give up their necks but they kind of give up you know they turtle up and, and they just okay I'm waiting to get finished here lots of guys do that top level in the UFC and he didn't do that he kept fighting he tried to get out you know he mightn't have had the best technique or anything but you can tell like Tyron Woodley and Anthony Pettis and all came on before and they said he's hard he won't give up and he did not give up you said that's the one thing you can definitely say about him okay his skills were totally lacking he went in you know against a guy who was just better than him and he got absolutely destroyed but he didn't give up he he stuck in there till the very last second till you know till he had to tap and, and that was that but as I said the, the biggest issue for me is the matchmaking you know, I think Mickey Gall is a very very good fighter to be honest like last week we spoke about it and you know we don't know how good Mickey Gall is really he looks good as we said last week like he looks 
he's a, like athletic, big, strong, stud, 24 years old, brown belt. I watched that match with Gordon Ryan that you were talking about last week afterwards. He nearly tapped Gordon Ryan. He he had Gordon Ryan in a guillotine at one stage and looked like Gordon Ryan was in trouble. Like, and if you don't know who Gordon Ryan is, uh, like obviously you know Andrew, he's one of the best jiu-jitsu players in the world right now. At the like, moment, yeah. yeah. He specializes in no-gi, submission only, no time limit matches. Yeah. Do you know, he had a match with Keenan Cornelius that went over an hour recently and ended up tapping Keenan with a heel hook. Keenan, like one of the most talked about guys on the jiu-jitsu scene in the last five years easily. Yeah. Like, that's so. what you're up against. Like, he wasn't up against some bum, and he should have been up against some bum. Like, I don't know. It was kind of like, it was like this young stud wrestler coming in, and he was getting put over, you know, by uh, by this old guy. Like, like by and- doink the cat loud. Like. <laughs> exactly. Like, that's exactly what it was like. But I don't know. It was just... Or someone from the Mean Street Posse. Yeah. In a singles match. It was such a predictable outcome that it was kind of, it was kind of sad to see, in a way. And another thing that I thought that saddened me for someone who likes pro wrestling as well is that he's not doing pro wrestling anymore. Like he's an he's an excellent pro wrestler. It's like, it's, it would be like John Jones leaving MMA to go do pro wrestling. Like it'd be such a loss to MMA. Like he he's the same loss to pro wrestling. Like it's like it's like that Kanye West you know lyric he says about Lauren Hill. She doesn't love rapping anymore, and he like he wishes she she'd uh, she'd still be rapping. That's the way I feel about uh, CM Punk. I wish he was still doing pro wrestling. Like I wish he wasn't doing this. Like uh, I didn't. I have no problem with him coming in there fighting. I have look. It doesn't really matter to be honest. I don't think. I think a lot of these these disgruntled kind of journeyman fighters are coming out, giving out about him and stuff. I don't know. I think. I think they're kind of. It's not jealousy. It's more like oh, I worked so hard to get to where I am, and he didn't have to do it. The world is unfair. Let's be honest here. You know, everyone. Everyone fucking isn't the same like that did you remember Shaq that time he talked about he wanted to fight him Shaq really wanted to fight him I'm sure the UFC give him a fight you know <laughs> or, or anyone I guess someone like that it it just happened like that's just the way things are the history of MMA like I think Ariel talked about it a lot it's like that we saw guys like Alberto Del Rio back in the day fighting in his in his mask against uh, Mirko Krokop. A lot of the, st- the start of MMA was a lot of pro wrestlers and stuff. That's what this sport was built on, and people kind of still like that. You know, there's a there's a a long lineage of kind of that sort of stuff, and there's also a long lineage of this is a contest, this is a challenge. Like you know, when it started out, it was a, the karate guy against the wrestling wrestler, or you know the. What are the judo guy against you know the taekwondo guy or whatever, and this was it was this wasn't that, but this was a challenge for a guy. He could two years of training and see how good he can get, and I think a lot of people were making the point as well on on Saturday night and on Sunday morning that it showed what you can learn in two years, and that's not very much, and that's you have to put it all together. Like you, okay, you can learn a lot of maybe if you have a good background, if you're. You know, if you're a wrestler or if you're a boxer or something, you can learn, put little bits together. Put Say if you're a boxer, you can put the polar opposite. You can do your, your sprawl training and do your wrestling and have just those two things and you can become a competent fighter and put things together later on. But when you have nothing and you're starting from a base, where CM Punk started from, which is basically nothing. He did, okay, he did a little bit of rolling and he did a little bit of Kimpo Karate, but he realistically, he couldn't throw a punch. He hadn't, didn't have a clue what to do underground or anything. And he had to go through all of that to get to where he was. That was never going to work well, again, especially against someone like Mickey Gall. Now, what comes next, I suppose, is the next, uh, 
is the next discussion. What do you think should be next? I see a lot of people floating this idea around and I can't really claim it as any sort of my own, but it had crossed my mind. And, you know, I was a big fan of the idea, the, the million-dollar idea. Amateur season of tough with the winner getting the chance to fight CM Punk. It would have been big money, big television. Unfortunately, the UFC didn't go for it. Well, kind, I suppose, looking for a fight. They got it in a way. But I would love to see CM Punk fight on a promotion that's on Fight Pass, where he can fight against a guy his own level, his own ability-wise. You're, you're not going to get, unless, as we said, I probably said on the podcast before, a tough China reject to fight him, yeah. then he's going to lose 99% of the fights on the roster. We had a question, Sean, about would he win fights on Clan Wars. No, he wouldn't. But he would beat a large, like, a large majority of amateurs training in this country at the moment. You know, I genuinely believe that. Or give them a good fight, at least, at the very least. You know, when you see some of the guys that are now competing, it's like, he's been training in one of the best gyms in the world for the last two years. You know, yeah. and went out there, so... I do think people were really, really, really unfair, like unfair on his, on his performance as a whole. They're still like even after his speech, you know, which I thought was uh, a little bit long, a little bit over the top. I'm gonna tell you exactly what I want next, Sean. But before I forget about it, remember when you said about Duke Rufus giving him a little bit of cornering before yeah. he went into the cage? CM Punk started to smile as Duke came in, and I could imagine him in his head being like, "Oh, this is gonna be the." the karate kid moment, do you know what I mean? Where the sensei <laughs> talks to you before going into battle. And then he realized it was technical advice and he was just kind of like, oh, <laughs> just kept nodding his head. Like, but there's a smile, like watch it back. There's a smile, there's a glint in his eye. Like he's just so happy about what's about to happen. And then when he stopped on top of the cage, it's like, he was, he was in complete pro wrestling mode. Like coming with the hood, when he had the hood and the camera comes onto him and he gives a wee smile, like as if he's coming out from the back. I was like, oh my God, hilarious. Aside from the WWE roasting him as well. Uh, I don't know if you heard about that. Was, that. that was funny, yeah, it was hilarious. That was good. I like, the, Titan was the one that was thrown around the most over on Twitter. Like, that would be perfect. Do you know, I would love to see him fight a guy who's maybe a debut or an 0-1 or an 0-2. Do you know, give him, give him someone that he has a good chance of beating and let's actually see him have a fun fight. Do you know, wouldn't you like to watch CM Punk in a 15-minute, like, really bad MMA fight against someone else who's equally as bad but you'd watch it because it's CM Punk yeah that's what should have been Saturday like, exactly the, but the, the UFC cashed in pay-per-view points wise um, we, w- we would think I suppose we will find clear indications of that in the weeks and months to come yeah. but um, you know he's not even missed in the wrestling world Sean because Ireland got a new mixed mm, martial Becky arts Lynch, world champion my cousin Becky Lynch your cousin yeah. Really? My my model maiden name was Lynch. So there you go. So probably Lynch. not a cousin. Probably not. Her real name isn't even Lynch. So <laughs> definitely not a cousin. So yeah, we'll rule that one out. Yeah. But, I'm gonna but keep her name keep is Sheehan. Huh. I kept it, you know, I, I have like, I had this little live going on before. I used to tell everyone that I was a... <laughs> Former <laughs> professional wrestler. No, no, I was a... I came, I came second in Fastest Finger and Who Wants to Be a Millionaire once. <laughs> People are like, believe me, like what really? I'm like, yeah, fucking, I'm point four of a second from getting into the chair. <laughs> What's Chris Tarrant like? 
It definitely was. <laughs> it was Chris Tarrant. Like, I was sounding off. No, you say it was a bollocks, to be honest. Chris Tarrant. Uh, a bit of a who's, who's the other guy that does the prices right? Uh, Bruce, Bruce Forsyth. Forsyth. Bruce of... Forsyth. What a man. Nice to see you. Oh, what was his other one? Uh, you didn't come on. You didn't finish no, it. I don't know it. Even we're going to be rewarded at the podcast. What right? is it? What was nice it? to see you. To see you nice. Oh, of course. Yeah, I should have known that. So, Sean, right. I suppose what was second on the bill, on the card at yep. the weekend, behind the, the lineal main event, I suppose you could call it, mm, your of. boy, a member of Team Sheehan, Stipe Miocic. Yeah, well, I'm not Francine Ganano. He's my heavyweight Team Sheehan, so I can't, I can't be You can't be cheating on him. But I, I do like a bit of Stipe. Successfully defended his heavyweight strap against Alistair Overeem in his hometown of Cleveland, Ohio. One thing that I'm not too sure on, when I was watching it, it seemed like there were empty seats. Do you know when people are standing up, you can't really tell if the seats are empty or not? Because they're the upper ones. They're, it just all looks the same colour. Yeah. So I thought it would, there was like mass amounts of empty seats there, but then it showed another shot of it pretty full. And the sound that was coming from that arena, I'd say it was absolutely electric in there. You could hear it audibly on the, on the broadcast. Yeah, it sounds very good. There was some Ariel said it was louder than Dublin, even, which I was like, that might be a little bit of recency bias there. I think I'd say, and give him another couple of weeks, and he'd say Dublin was better again. But yeah, it was. He's playing us. He's playing us. He's fucking. The Irish fans have been making people too mad, and now everyone's going against everyone Irish. That's like that's that's a fact. But it was. It was. It was definitely loud, and it was definitely a boisterous crowd, and you could hear it all week, even in the scrums and stuff. And actually, kudos before we forget it. Nile McGrath did great work over for uh, for Severe Mill over in Cleveland, so fair play to him. But a lot of and you're one in the t-shirt as well. Fair play, Nile. T-shirt, yeah. Fair play, you know how much she got. But um, yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm stealing Graham's joke there, but um, yeah, like you could see all week, people were giving Alistair over him loads of stick and all, and you know the crowd was on his side. It was loud and everything, and you could kind of tell that from the start of the fight. They both kind of came out. Well, not not so much over him, but my just came out swinging like. I wrote my preview beforehand that what I need to do was not exactly not do that. You know, don't get don't get into a game where you either get at the end of Overeem's jab or you come in throwing one big shot because that's exactly what Overeem wants. Because Overeem, you know, we we know the last few fights he's turned into a counter fighter. He lets you come in and then he'll he'll counter hit you with the one big shot, and that's exactly what happened. Um, Stipe wasn't throwing his ones or his two, threes, and fours. He was throwing one big shot. And he got caught as he was throwing one big shot by Overeem and got put in his arse and he nearly got guillotined. Now, Overeem says... Oh, don't tapped. start. He didn't tap. We'll get to that, I suppose. But uh, my Otis came back very well. He cleared his head very quickly. And I think that's a huge thing against Alistair Overeem as well. If you get into a battle of chins with Alistair Overeem, you're more than likely going to win at this stage of his career, I think. And uh, that's exactly what, what my Otis did. He kept throwing those one big shots and Overeem kept catching him he rocked him again another time but then when he when he kind of his head totally cleared when he realised okay I'm going to use my my smartness here and win this fight that's exactly what he did he go back and look at the fight every time he threw a a straight and a a cross he was hitting Overeem every time he threw one, two, three, four, five shots he was hitting Overeem hurting him and and look once you do that to Overeem it's kind of 
you have him. You know, once you start landing shots in him, Overeem is supreme athlete, so strong and everything, but speed kills a guy like him, especially with someone as, uh, you know, as athletic and as powerful as, as uh, Steep as well. And that's know, why finish. he was running. And like, I'm not, yeah. I like, I really don't like the whole angle people are taking on that. Like the way that Alistair Overeem fights now, I thought he was fighting a brilliant fight, to be honest. Like, and I know that I picked him last week in the podcast, but it was, eff- it was effective for him. It's exactly what he needs to be doing. You highlighted it there. You can't, he won't get into those fights with people anymore. He won't stand and trade because he can't. His chin can't take it anymore. He has to turn into that sort of fighter. He has to get that little bit of distance. And the shot that did drop Stipe was just fantastic, yeah. in my opinion, because Stipe overcommitted with the right head kick just before it clipped over him's ear I think he ducked the shoulder and maybe Steve was like ah here mate and then he was like coming straight in for it Do you know like he does uh, he does just walk him down he dropped his hands he started walking over and you could see him just kind of cocking the right hand before he threw it he was like over him timed that perfectly that was I can remember I did a sambo class before Sean and they were trying to tell me that the whole base around their striking was to punch as the person was coming in you know, how many famous knockouts have we seen in mixed martial arts where a guy is on his way in and gets tagged and it's all the momentum that he was just using just sends him straight face first down to the floor. Except this time, you're getting hit by a 250-pound man straight in the face who's able to put you down with that straight shot. It was beautifully timed. He was just really getting ready to throw and over him was like, nope, yeah, too quick. <laughs> That's exactly getting re- like it's it's a little bit like when we're talking about Maya and, and Condit, when Condit, you know, when he pivoted to change to the you know to change stances, and once that leg was still for a second, Maya went and he took it. That was the same one over him when my Otrich was still for a second when he stopped moving his feet. He just came in and barreled him with that shot. You know, you can't stand there and and um, you know set up your shot like that. It's it's what makes Dominic Cruz such a great fighter. Like Uriah Faber in their first fight, caught Cruz coming in. That's where he caught him every time. He caught him. He caught him a couple of times, and Cruz just got that out of his game. He just doesn't do that anymore. It's it's what makes him such a great fighter. But I suppose that's a lot harder to do at, at heavyweight, and especially when you've you know when you're in in your hometown and loads of people run you on. You're kind of intent on standing in the pocket and fighting it out, but. Yeah, that's that's exactly where Overeem kind of like Overeem is so dangerous, um, you know, against anyone, and I think the fact that Stipe came through that shows that he can kind of come through anything. He took a full four shot from Overeem, oh, the best uh, he could, multiple ones. Yeah, one of the best guillotines in you know in the heavyweight division got out of it after he'd been hurt, and and came through it. Like that's that's a, another sign of how good he is. Talk to me about the decision making from Alistair Overeem. <laughs> I think he was inc- like incredibly unlucky because Stipe landed on his ass with his and if if Overeem had to try to put him down, Stipe was taking a butterfly guard or a close guard. His like he wasn't going to be passed completely. Okay, so just the way that Stipe had kind of landed and sat back up almost from an impact, Stipe put his hands out and that's what kept him sitting straight up. So if Overeem had a went on top of him, it would have turned into ground and pound, potentially a close guard situation. If a, if a fighter, in my opinion, is down and he's been dazed and he's in that position where he can fall back into a guard, it's muscle memory. It's going to happen. So I think for the circumstance that was in it, Overeem did the right thing initially. 
he just went straight for it. But I think he was too excited by the prospect of it. Because he wrapped the right arm round with absolute ease. That was under. And he just couldn't... Uh, he Didn't he fall back? He fell yeah. back into guard to try and throw the leg over. I think once he had that headlock position, once he had that guillotine, because it's something I really like, he should have started pushing his chest into him and try to put Stipe backwards. Because Stipe was only on his knees and over him had one foot up. And from that position, Sean, he can start cranking the guillotine and come up onto two feet and then put Stipe onto his back. Do you know when you see someone fold back over their knees? Yeah. So Stipe was completely off balance there. It, was, it would have been perfect for Overeem. Well, but he, I think the fact he got decided, you know, like McGregor did against uh, against Mendes, where he gets decided and he decided and he rolls out. Yeah. Obviously, he didn't get it. Didn't wasn't as in as Mendes was against him. I think that once he got to his side, he's you know he's such a big neck and his oh, head he was so big. Fine, he was out. Yeah. Like, yeah, he it was, was kind of a weird half guard position at the start, but we I'd love to see it from another angle. Because as I was talking about it there, I pulled it up in the skybox because I just wanted to see it again. He, um, it, We can't see it. I'd love to see this from another angle, but I would suspect he had a hand on Overeem's glove throughout the entire thing. Because when he comes out to the side, he peeled it off very quickly. So I would imagine that Overeem didn't have it. F- like The arm was tight, but the hands weren't locked. Yeah, I, I think Overeem. You know what Overeem is thinking as well. Like Overeem's a pragmatic guy. He knew, I think, that he had to finish uh, Steep early. Like if that was if that was going to a decision, it was more than likely Steep's fight because of the output. He would have been traumatized. And Overeem, like he, you just hurt the guy. The neck is there. You know how good of a guillotine you have. I think he he had to go over. And I think you're right. I think he made the right decision. Even even you know even if he would have thought he won a decision and everything, I think it was still yeah, he was still right to go over. And it was. It was kind of just unfortunate. I think it was other things that lost him the fight, uh, apart from that. But, um, but general consensus, I yeah. suppose Steep is not the one and done champ that I figured. No, I think I think John Jones said it well on Twitter. He was like, I'm starting to kind of believe in this guy now. And I, I saw like a couple of fights ago. I, I thought Steep was going to be the guy who looks good. He's good prospects all the way up. But I didn't think he, he'd ever be a champion, maybe until... Until maybe the, the Junior Dos Santos fight, even even a little bit after that, maybe. You know, Stipe is this guy, you know, he has everything, but there's a lot of guys who have everything. Um, you know, that Mark Hunt fight, I think, showed a lot that he, he not only has, you know, the ability to go along, go five rounds with a guy and win, or win late or whatever. I think he knocked him out in the, in the fifth round. But then he came back and was it Arlovsky? Arlovsky and, and Verdum wasn't he knocked both of them out in the first round. It's like those are two kind of good guys, veteran guys that are okay, Arlovsky's chin might be the best, but Verdum's chin is very good. He's a you know, he hasn't been knocked out that many times, I don't think, to knock Verdum out the way he did. He's power, you know, the power in that hand and he's knocked over him out now as well. So he's improving. He like he he can go five rounds, he can outpoint it a great striker like Mark Hunt go five rounds with Junior Dos Santos in a very close fight you know he could have he won that fight that was, it was a close fight I think I scored it for JDS but it was it was a close fight T- to, you know to do that and to prove you've knocked out as well you know, he's a tough tough guy for anyone like he's take down the fence very good as well everything he's, he's good at everything and that fight against I think that fight against Ken Velasquez is the fight that the heavyweight division is crying out for like two guys who okay they're both over 30 but they're not old guys by any means they're two guys who are in their prime fighting each other and that's not something we see very often in the heavyweight division like Sipa Miocic only made his MMA debut in 2010 we spoke about it last week and he didn't 
he's not one of these guys like Overeem or like Hunt who had, you know, a long pride career before him or a long kickboxing career or something. You know, he was doing baseball and things like that in, in college. He's not, you know, he's not taking a lot of damage to his body or to his, you know, to his chin and stuff. Maybe his other injuries and things, but he's he's had a shocker. He's only been knocked out once in his career for a heavyweight, like uh, who's a heavyweight champion with eighteen fights. That's very good, in, in fairness. And I think I said it last week. I think he's the guy you can put a few wins together. I, I think Saturday night uh, enhanced that view. Now, look, he could come up. He comes up against Ken Velasquez next, and that could be the end of all that. But I think that's an absolutely brilliant fight. Very quickly before we move on, I hope somebody makes a gif. It was at that moment when Alistair Overeem knew he had fucked up about the, the finish in that fight. Luke Rockhold-esque, Joe, in his spinning back kick. Alistair Overeem showed the one sign that he's been working at Jackson Winklejohn these past couple of months. Maybe not drilling the oblique kick to the knee too much. Went for it. Looked like he was throwing it a little bit weirdly anyway. It was a variant on it maybe. Stipe got the ankle. He picked the ankle and he ran the pipe. And he took over. He didn't even have to take Overeem down. It was in a scramble and Overeem just wasn't able to get back up quick enough. Yeah. Once he went down over him over him's chin, Jesus, once you hit him, he's gone out. As Steve has to put it afterwards, he put the motherboard out and that's uh, turn off the motherboard and that's exactly what he did. Tough. Tough for over him. Tough one for him. Like after getting Very good to, um, stoppage by Mark Goddard as well. Yeah, very one, good. One, two, three, four shots, three three stiffeners, you know, so that was a perfect stoppage. But um so there you go. An exciting heavyweight title fight, Sean. Mm-hmm. Just like the other, well, it wasn't that exciting. No. Heavyweight Af- fight. Well, afterwards was exciting. It was a little bit, all right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> first of all, I saw, all right, let's talk about the aftermath, first of all. We yeah, all know for, it's more important. Well, we can talk about the aftermath <laughs> and the first 10 seconds. And then anything yeah. else, I'm just not really that bothered There's by. There's one other thing as well. But okay, we've treated. Uh, okay, the aftermath first. Okay, Fabrice Verdun fought Travis Brown for the second time the weekend and beat him. Um, unanimous decision. I think everyone agrees that, that he won the fight. Fair enough. Uh, and then... Edmund Tarverdian, who is Travis Brown's coach and Ronda Rousey's coach and like the worst coach to ever live. One of the top of the field. <laughs> what? <laughs> Came over and called Verdum a motherfucker or something like that. And Verdum proceeded to front kick him, teep him to the chest. And oh, then, would you go way to the chest? <laughs> well, it was a little bit. It was Where a glancing kick, the kick to the leg. <clears throat> it wasn't the leg, was it? He it kicked was him in the, the leg. Stomach. I don't know, he kicked him somewhere anyway. Uh, and then, like, it, it, it was going to heat up there for a second. Verdum kind of put up his two fists in, a, in kind of a joking way. Started shadow boxing, yeah. His cornerman held him back, and then he got pissed off at his cornerman for a second. And then Babalu tried to fucking run into the cage, which nobody wants. And then Rafael Cardero, who was Myotis' coach and a bad motherfucker, went over to um, Edmund Tarverdian and, and tried to take him on. And then they're all split up and everything, but... Yeah, that was that was about that, and you know it was hilarious. Edmund, someone someone wrote it on on Twitter today. Edmund is um, Edmund is a guy who op- <laughs> it's as if he opened a gym to launder money when he was like sixteen, and then Ronda Rousey turned up one day, <laughs> and now he's been stuck as an MMA coach, and he's like, "What the fuck am I doing?" <laughs> That's exactly what he's like. He's just completely clueless. The shot is. Um, 
they showed him cornering. There was a clip going around the line of him cornering uh, Travis Brown as Verdun was smashing the face off him. And he's basically just saying, um, he, oh, what, what was it he saying? He hits like a girl. He hits like a baby. He was saying, and he like beat the face off him, nearly knocked him out of Shawn Michaels switching music at the very start of the fight. So I was, I was a bit mad. What was your take on, on the whole end of the fight thing? It was absolutely hilarious. Yeah, Edmund Tarverdian just completely embarrassed himself. I'm just leaving a gap there. Will you grab the custard creams out of the press? And then I, I love you. Uh, the custard creams, please. Then I, I'll see you. Enjoy uh, Donegal. Okay, bye bye. Three, two, one. Edmund, for a while, Sean has been the brunt of jokes online. Maybe for a couple of valid reasons, this or that, but after, like, you could see how agitated he was getting throughout the fight, even in his cornering. I was just so looking forward to seeing in between the rounds. That was probably the most entertaining part of the fight because they always got him at, at good points. Verdum's explanation, I don't know if you saw it at the post-fight press conference for why he did it, was very funny. He started saying he started calling him a motherfucker and he's like, like I was told by my coach, like in Brazil, that's a pretty bad insult. It genuinely is. And that's mm. why Verdum was like, he can say what he wants about me, but not my mother. And it's like, that's not really used in a literal sense, Fabricio. Do you know what I mean? Because you and me, Sean, we're two cool motherfuckers. That's, let's be honest here. Yeah, well, let's be honest, but we're not saying that in a derogatory way. Do you know? So, I think there was a little bit of a cross in translation there, but Edmund was just, he's a parody. Do you know what I mean? I'm convinced he's doing this just for the laugh at this stage. Like, it's so funny. What was he going to do as well? Like, you just saw he put, like, after being all talk, Fabricio throws a glance and leg kick at him, and he starts, like, backing off. It's like, no, you don't do that, Edmund. This is your time to swing for you. Swing for him. It's self-defense. He hit you first. You feared for your life. Go for it. Like, well, if, let's be honest, Sean, and it's a nice uh, transition. Had the Ohio State Athletic Commission been doing their job correctly, including the referee who we now know what's happened to all of the (laughs) PEDs and mixed martial arts in the last two years with USADA. Three, two, one. Sean, if the Ohio Athletic Commission had have done their job during the fight and they had a referee that knew the rules of mixed martial arts, Travis Brown would not allowed to have been taking a little break for his thumb to relocate <laughs> no. his thumb in. Time out, time out, yeah. Time out, just wait a second. I just My finger's actually broken <laughs> and is pointing the other way, but yeah. I will now proceed to fix it, then not throw this hand for the rest of the fight, and that will be it. Thank you very much for giving me 60 seconds of rest. Yeah, at the time I thought it was like his glove was torn or there was a bit of tape and he his glove or something and he was just looking to fix it. But when it turned out it was an injury, yeah, that was a bit weird because you can't you can't do that. Like if you're the rules are look the referee can stop it if he wants, but if it's just a guy stopping it himself, he can't do that. Um and yeah, it's, look if if you want to take a call a timeout like that, the fight should have been stopped by the referee. But look, that has happened in a few fights. It was it was a mistake by the referee, fair enough, but I don't think it really mattered in the end if Verdun went down and won anyway. That that's a tough call for the referee. Okay, if John McCarthy or Mark Goddard or a good referee was in that situation, they probably would have reacted differently and done the right thing. But 
I'm not going to kill a guy for that. You know, that's that's a tough situation. Second call, you know, you don't want to you don't want to qualify off in the middle of it either at that stage. Um, you know, I I, f- I feel bad for the guy. Uh, you know, for the position he was put in, but yeah, it was it was a weird call. It was just kind of a weird a weird fight all around. Like Verdum, he front kicked the guy, and like he's like he's. A, you know, I don't think Verdum is the nicest of guys, to be honest. Like, he's, you know, people he's associated with and things, you know. I think Ali Abdelaziz is his manager and he's, you know, doing appearances in some not-so-nice places and he front-kicks a guy and they still hate the guy that gets front-kicked. I think that shows you how much respect Edmund Darverdian has in the MMA community. Absolutely none. Like, and I don't know, it'd be best, be better off for Ronda especially in Travis Brown to get out of there and get somewhere else. Now, Kings MMA is in LA, I think, and that's the place you probably want them to go and train if they are going somewhere else. But the fact that one of their fighters and their coach <laughs> just got into a, f- a kicking match, a, fr- a teeping match with, with Travis Brown, you know, I don't think that's uh, that's probably not going to happen now. Unlikely, but let's not rule it out, Sean. Maybe yeah. they could do the right thing. You're eating custard greens for fuck's sake. I hear you. Not anymore. I <laughs> muted. I muted myself there, and I was like, "Oh, and lovely!" Like literally the last bite, I was like, "There's no way he's gonna bring it back to me within the next forty seconds." And then, like okay. four seconds later, you did, and I was like, Whoop. "Unmute the microphone." Sorry about here's that. Here's one. Either way, I'll, let me talk about the f- the no, heavyweight. Done now, title. But you work away. The heavyweight title picture. For me, you have to make um, Kane against against Steve next. I think that's the fight that makes sense. Uh, I know Verdum was calling for the title shot last night, but look, he got knocked out cold, stiff by Stephen Miocic in his last fight. He beat Travis Brown, who he's already beaten. It was a good win and everything, but I don't think he did enough to turn the title shot. I think you give it to Kane, even though you know he's beaten Kane and everything. I think you give it to Kane, and, and then you maybe over him against Junior. Or, I'm sorry. Um, uh, Verdum against Junior Dos Santos, and that, that's a good rematch as well. I think Dos Santos beat him before, so you know that makes that makes sense for me. And there's there's plenty of other guys in who you can uh, match up as well. You know what I want to see as well in in Europe somewhere starting next year. Mark Hunt against Alistair Overeem oh, in the Netherlands. Yeah, in the Netherlands, something like that. That needs to happen. I want to see that. But the fighting between Stipe and. Uh, and Ken is going, who do you think will win that? Just at, you can change your pick, but at this very moment, who do you think wins? Uh, Ken Velasquez. I'm just going to throw it out there. Yeah. I, I, I think... I don't think Stipe has the output to be able... Like, if Ken is able to bury him against the cage yeah. and is back at maybe pre-injury Ken Velasquez levels, then... To me, Stipe hasn't been in muddy waters enough against a guy with such a high output as Cain Velasquez. But then again, there isn't many, if any, other heavyweights that can match that output. You know, for I would absolutely love to see Stipe fight Daniel Cormier, to be honest. I think that would be a serious fight. Two such similar guys. You know, it would be a really, really, really good fight. That would be like that's that's the unification fight to make, DC. Unlike it, you know. Yeah. Let Anthony fight John. Uncle Dane is right. You go for the two. Like Daniel Cormier was always fighting light at heavyweight. Anyway, do you know what I mean? Why not go in and do it now? 
You heard it here first, first, folks. I think Kane is probably the worst matchup for uh, Stipe as well. Yeah. Yeah. Kane is tough for anyone to be, you know, it's it's going to take a mammoth effort. But I, I honestly do think Stipe is special. I think he's a special fighter. I wrote in my column last week that most people don't get to the level where he is now in a whole lifetime of training. And he's only been training, what did I say, five, six years. You know, it's, it's mad. Like, he hasn't even reached his prime yet. He's not even close. He's probably two or three years away from his prime. You know, and, or from, like, these, you know, he's, he's probably close his prime, maybe two years away from his prime, and then you know it's going to be at the heavyweight division. Uh, you can be taking all your prime in one shot, I suppose. But he's still learning; he's still improving. You know, it's he's such you know he's a great fighter. And it's it's it, heavyweight division needs someone like him. You know, someone relatively young in, in a group of just all lads who are fighting. You know, in nineteen ninety nine, who are kind of we're sick of seeing. <laughs> you know, they're just holding in there. You know, and it's weird, but yeah, it'll be it'll be. Great to see the two of them fighting. Um, I suppose a couple more things on the UFC 203 card. Uriah Faber, speaking of all the guys who are hanging on. Yeah, excellent work. Yeah, I I, I think Uriah Faber's time is gone at this edge. I don't think he's going to retire anytime soon, but I don't see any way he wins high-level MMA fights anymore. He's just, he's just so slow these days and on athletic. And he's, his game... You know, once you stop the takedown, and once you stop the right hand, and once you don't take him down and get caught in a guillotine, there isn't really much you can do to you know. He's, there's no, there's, he doesn't change it up. There's not, you know, there's nothing. There's just he, he's an old school fighter. He's <clears throat> he's a fighter that knew the fundamentals back in the day, and he's never really, he's never really kicked on as a fighter. No, he's he's always been you know a really good athlete and stuff, and that's kind of kept him in there. He's had heavy hands and he has a very good guillotine and those things like that have kept him going. But now the sport has moved to such an area, even where a guy like Jimmy Rivera, who I don't think he's that good even to be honest, is is now able to be um now able to be Uriah Faber. Now look, when I say not that good, he's he's obviously a good fighter and everything, but I don't think I don't think he'll ever win the title. I don't think he might ever fight for one. Even I don't think he's that level. Of, even if he is, I don't think he even performed that well against Faber. You know, it was one of those those ones where this this isn't the Uriah Faber that you know that we grew up watching, knowing and loving. And I think he's just he his time is his time has come. I think. Um, Chuck Erlow, Uriah. Yeah, the Jessica Andrade against John Calderwood fight. I think look, it's John Calderwood's Achilles heel on the ground. She's at. Um, where is she? She's at uh, Farasa Abbey's gym, Tristar, yeah. So, look, hopefully that improves. She came out well, and I think she was doing very, very well against Jessica Andrade, who's dangerous uh, in the feet as well in this fight. But, look, once she gets to the ground, she just struggles so much, and it could be a thing that haunts her for her whole career and never lets her get to the next level. But I hope that's not the case. I hope she can get it and she can improve. But she's, she's at a situation at the moment where it's just not coming for her, and it just looks unnatural to her, but... Look, hopefully, hopefully it can come eventually. Um, other than that, shout out to the report. Yeah, the decision queen herself, the greatest Bitchy. female fighter in the history. Yeah, it was. I'm not Going sure about for the decision. Rousey rematch. I think I think Jessica I probably won that fight, but it was a close one. It wasn't one you'd uh, just a just a terrible fight. Jessica I threw about a thousand jabs in that fight and I'd say about four of them landed you know, it was just awful um, other Nick Lins got a good finish 
Drew Dober got a really good finish, kicked the guy in the balls and then knocked him out about three times before the referee stopped it. And uh, Yancey Medeiros well, got, a, got an old submission finish there. So there you go. That was UFC 203. Not a great card. Not a bad card either, I suppose. That, I suppose that's how you'd uh, how you'd look at it, right? That's the Sheehan, the Sheehan miniature synopsis. It is. But we go from Ohio to Texas, Sean. We do, and uh, this week's card in Hidalgo, Texas, which we'll we won't spend that long on because it's it's not the greatest card in the world. We have guys like the fucking Montano brothers on us. We have Alejandro Perez, Albert Morales, Rick Lynn, Maximo Blanco, Randy Brown, Jose Alberto Quinones, Gabriel Benitez. Joey Gomez, like all of these all people. All your on this favorite card, UFC I, fighters. I know Maximo Blanco, right? But the rest of them, no. There's a couple of good fights. Chris Wade against Islam Makachev, great fight. A really big fan of Chris Wade. I think he's a good fighter. Uriah Hall against Derek Brunson, which I think is a very good fight as well. We know Uriah Hall. Look, it's it's kind of a bit cliche at this at this stage to say it, but he's one of those guys. If he can come out and if he can land a big shot, if he's if he's on. You know, if he's on what the worst word I'm looking for, on farm, he can beat anyone in the world, but he's usually not. And I think Derek Brunson's a very good, very good fighter. And I think, uh, I think he probably Derek Brunson's a wise pick in that, but you can never go against Hall. And in the main event between Dust, your boy Dustin Poirier and my boy Dustin Poirier and Mike Johnson area, who do you think will win? Um, to be honest, I think Johnson has a very good chance. Like I know Parry has looked good at 155, but he has something to prove. You know, Michael Johnson hasn't. He's he's 0-2 in his last two, Sean. Both gone to decisions. You know, a questionable one against Benil. Like, fair enough, it was a split, but... Then the Diaz incident, where he got tooled and made fun of and felt like he should have fought much better than he actually did. Diaz lit him up on the feet. Look what Nate Diaz has gone on since that fight. That win got Nate Diaz paid twice yeah. since Michael Johnson last fought. Do you know what I mean? I like. I'm guessing. Like, do you know what I mean? I know he was meant to to fight. Who was he matched with? Uh, who's that? Tony Ferguson. He was yeah. matched with Tony Ferguson earlier on in the year, and like, I think he's going to come out with an absolute bit between his teeth here. And he's going to really like, because we got to see a lovely side, a lovely side of Michael Johnson for a while in the UFC, where he was the wrestler that was effective with his punches. Do you know, he knew he had the wrestling there, so he was okay to stand and trade with people, if it came down to it. Like, Michael Johnson coming into the UFC, we were just kind of like, hmm, like, you know, decision, decision, like, what are you doing here? And then he sparked Danny Castillo. Do you know, so it's just, he... He needed to grow in the confidence. And I actually think this is a perfect fight for Parier because, uh, I mean, Parier is a perfect fight for him. I think when they start exchanging and Parier will get into a firefight and will gladly change with him, that's when we're going to see Michael Johnson just level change, pick Parier up and put him down. Yeah, you know, That's what he wants. He's confident enough to be able to walk in and stand with Parier. I think these two lads are very... Very similar fighters in that, okay, they're both southpaws. They both like to come out and take the center of the cage. They both like to push guys back. And when they get pushed back themselves, they tend to wilt a little bit. Um, so I think, like, the fight for the center of the cage is huge in this. And whoever wins that will probably win the fight. Um, 
For me, I think Poria is a little more well-rounded. You know, I think Johnson's wrestling has improved, as you were talking about there, but I still don't think it's that great. And I think even if Poria loses the striking battle, I still think he can go for a takedown and probably get Michael Johnson down. Like, we saw how good Poria's wrestling was in that Joseph Duffy fight. I watched that fight again. It was actually a very, very good fight. Like, Poria came through and took a lot of shots against Joseph Duffy, and he was able to change it up and get Duffy to the ground. I you know, if the same happens again, which I actually probably don't think it won't it will he can, I think he can do the same thing even if he gets into bad position against Michael Johnson I think he can he can change it up and take him down and we know how good his, his submission game is he's whizzing the ground with you know Darce Chalks Anaconda you know Peruvian neckties and all of that am I um, right in saying he holds 25% of the Darce Choke finishes in the UFC history yeah something like that um, and I, I just think Pare is a different man since, since he's gone to lightweight you know he can mix it up so well not not only with you know different aspects of MMA but his striking has improved an awful I think he's that extra pop as well at, at 155 and Johnson is a very good fighter and I think you're right we tend to we tend to kind of throw the baby out with the batwater a little bit uh, to, to steal a, a phrase for myself um, uh, with, with guys like Johnson you know he was on a great run you know, as you said like he beat uh, beat 24 and beat Edson Barbosa, Melvin Gillard, Joel Oz, and Clayson Thibault. All tough wins. Lost against Benil Dariush, in which a lot of people thought that Michael Johnson won. And I think Benil Dariush is a top prospect as well. So either way, you know, that's that's not a terrible loss. And, and lost in eight years in a fight where he was just overwhelmed, where Diaz took the centre of the centre of the cage and won that fight. But He's no mug. This is this is a very good fight. I think both guys are very good, but I think Poria is just. I think Poria has kind of reached a new level at this stage. He's on a new level, but uh, he was always kind of threatening to do it. I remember that fight with Cubs once, where he took on Short Notice, and we're like, you know, if that wasn't on Short Notice, he probably would have won, and he might have, you know, he might have gotten a title shot even after a couple of fights. But then he came came up short against McGregor again. And it's he's always been I think he's always been threatening to do it, but I think now is now is his time. If he's ever gonna do it, now is the time to do it. Um and I think my yard. I like I like this fight. If he could take the center of the octagon, I think it'd be a, a tough night for uh, Michael Johnson. There you go. This weekend. Oh. Yeah. Sean. Should be fun. This past weekend, I was at some fisty cuffs myself. You are? Not that I was competing, we leave that down to Yogi Dave Fogarty, the curtain jerker himself. Or at least that's what they called him in the court case after he was caught breaking and entering into his neighbour's house at 2 o'clock in the morning, our very own Dave Fogarty. He, um That story may not be true. He, um Did you, did you see it? Was it streamed on someone's Facebook page? I did. Gus Ryan Fair Play streamed it. I couldn't see it that well, but... Yeah, I thought Dave won... I thought they won definitely won two and three, and I thought round one was close. Um, I I think a huge thing to come out of it was like I watched a lot of, well not a lot, but there was a bit of tape on, on Barry Hanna and stuff. For I think Barry Hanna has improved an awful lot. Like that, I think Dave even said kind of that same thing to you in the uh, in the post fight interview, and I think Dave has improved as well. Like that was a very very good fight. You know that looked more like a a pro fight than an amateur fight. To be honest, I thought the level was very very good. Uh, you know, as you said as well, I think. Uh, in the bright lights and stuff, it's not easy to, to fight in front of that. And I think two, the two lads gave a fucking great, uh, 
great what's the word I'm looking account for account of showing. themselves great account of themselves indeed and I think Dave was a deserved winner you know it's it must be tough as well to fight in that big arena like Dave has good experience maybe Barry doesn't have the same experience you know Dave has been at the Europeans and at the Worlds as well and you know maybe there wasn't a big crowd at him but you know you, Bollocks is like you sitting there watching him and you know he's friends and training partners and stuff and that's not you know it's that's a big experience when you're you know over in Vegas or over in where was it Germany or wherever the Europeans are and you know, traveling like that. Birmingham. Well. <laughs> I, was it Birmingham? Yeah. I, I think that probably stood to him in the end. The but, Jiu-Jitsu uh, Europeans were in uh, Portugal. And oh. this year's IMAF Europeans are in Prague. All right. So what did you think of the fight? You were there, obviously. Good one, wasn't it? Um, first of all, I don't want to have to watch Dave fight again. It's a little bit weird. Um, I don't know. Like, I was watching it, like, to be fair, thinking, geez, there must be some amount of pressure on him here. Because, like... He did look tentative in the first round. He was definitely getting his bearings. Um, and he had sold so many tickets. And there was a lot of people there just like... The arena was virtually empty. Bar the people that had probably bought tickets off these guys, you know? Yeah. Or had bought tickets off someone in the next three immediate fights. You know, like it was by no means a decent crowd at it. So you could hear everything. You know, so a jab that Dave might have landed would be like... For, Go on, Dave! Do you know from his mates in the crowd? So it was just like maybe he was like Dave is very, very good on the ground. Do you yeah. know? And I feel like this is weird even having to criticize him. Do you know what I mean? Criticize his performance because yeah, he was shit. Let's be honest. It was a good nah. performance, but a tiny bit more maybe. Uh, this was Pete. Oh, no, I'm just trying to pass this off as Pete's analysis or Pete's because it wasn't a criticism at all. Like we thought he was uh, very good. He's got a great double leg in jiu-jitsu. But I think he's just trying to get comfortable with his timing to be able to adapt that to the person throwing strikes at you as well. Yeah. Do you know? And it was a little bit of single shots from Barry, so it wasn't like it is on a combination where you're able to get that duck under, but not really on single shots. You're always a little bit more worried for it. But just to finish on it before we get on to the other fights, completely agree with you. The Barry Hanna that I've seen compete before in Irish MMA... It's not the same Barry Hanna that fought Dave Fogarty at the weekend. He gave an absolutely fantastic account of himself. One judge scored it to him. Do you know what I mean? It was a close fight. Um, Barry definitely had some really good parts in it in the striking area. He was able to uh, he was able to catch Dave a few times and put Dave under a bit of pressure. But I think Dave's cage control is what won in the fight, Sean. Yeah, I thought, I thought he was striking was good. I thought he landed some good strikes. I think Barry did very well to get out of. Uh, he went to the ground one stage and Dave was on the bottom. Barry got straight back up and out of it. We like yeah, as Dave said to you in the the interview afterwards that he obviously knew his jujitsu was very good. Um, and I think you know I think he was very smart. Good fight, like very good level. I think even I think Andy Ryan was with uh was with Gus as he was streaming it and he said the same thing that how good of a level it was. You know there was. There was a couple of pro fights on the on the card that you know if you're looking at you if they didn't have rash guards on you think maybe that was the uh, the pro fight and the other ones are amateur fights, but um yeah it's it was a good, yeah, great fight. Name and shame. There. What that fucker Philpot was fighting anyway, whoever he was. Jesus Christ, running After away from all the, the talk, all the insults. All the mm. podcasts calling each other out. I apologize now before you start fucking tweeting me. I, I call him, I don't mean a fucker. I mean that person, that lad, you know, that's just the way I speak. Leave me alone. Fuck's sake. Fuck off. <laughs> I just know people. Oh, you called him a fucker. And yeah. he's a fighter, man. You should You're respect Andrew. everybody that fights like. <laughs> Limerick have a new hurler manager just, just announced. And I have no idea who he is. John Kiley. Who the fuck is he? 
Don't know. Is he going to lead you to greatness? I don't even. I've never even heard of him. He was the county. He was the bus driver uh, before. I'm not happy. The perils of Junior B. You know, the bus driver even has to play. That's yeah, what you was, want. Apparently, he was under twenty-one manager before, but I'm not happy about it. But what were your big takeaways from Bam anyway? I prefer when Bam are on television, and aren't aren't have to run to a television schedule because that was a hectic evening. Yeah. The other night, fight after fight after fight with a ten-minute intermission. Do you know what I mean? There was no fucking about it. it. Was ran so well. The next fighters were ready to walk out before the others. The decision had even been read. You know, that sort of way, like, they were just on it, straight, like, one after the other after the other in interviews. Like, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the atmosphere for certain parts on it. Um, I think subdued, maybe, for a lot of it, if someone, if there was a match between people who didn't sell tickets. And I suppose that's what you're going to have to rely on for these shows, is finding a star, is finding a ticket seller. Casual mixed martial arts fans aren't just going to come to Bama. In my opinion, like, you're looking at the hardcores that are going to do that. Where the casuals will come is if they know somebody fighting or if a guy with a bit of a name for himself. Ryan Curtis is the guy that springs to mind, Sean. Surely, like, I think Bama should be looking towards getting him on their main event if they do come back to Dublin. But Alan Philpott made a great case for them going to Belfast as well, to be honest, at the weekend in that interview. Yeah. Maybe we'll see how the cards fall after December 19th for UFC Belfast and see how that's received. And then maybe find out if it would be feasible or okay for Bama to do a show there as well. Yeah, great, I suppose. Yeah, but um, yeah, with the UFC <laughs> going great, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So you uh, just you you just tell me why I'm wrong, and then we'll get on to the fights no, that we like the most. I suppose once the UFC's gone there, I don't. I doubt they'll go there. As you said, we'll see how the UFC goes and then go there. So like, I don't think his next fight will be there, but maybe the one after that maybe could be there. Uh, possibly, but I don't know. You know, things can obviously change very quickly. Um, yeah, my takeaways were I didn't see all the fights, but I saw I saw most of them. I think I think Ryan Curtis was very very impressive, and not impressive in a oh he's you know he's going to knock you out, knock your head off kind of way, but impressive in that he showed a lot of maturity in that fight. I thought, like remember remember Pape Sisa a few years ago, the striker for Newcastle, he was banging in these goals from like forty yards. Like everyone, oh, he's the best striker in the world, but you know he didn't score two tap-ins like in the whole season, and he was crapped in the next season. It was crap from then on out, and like sometimes that tends to happen with young guys coming up in the on the MMA scene. They knock a lot of guys out and say, "Oh, they're the best in the world," and then they kind of, you know, they kind of crap out of it, and they, you know, they're not not just in Ireland but everywhere that could tends to happen. And for a guy so young like Ryan Curtis, so young, what is he? Three or four fights into his career. For him to go in there against an experienced guy with, I think, like 16 fights and to, you know, to land his big shots early, but then to tell you afterwards that he was kind of cognizant of the people in the crowd that were cheering him on and not to get, not to overreact to those big shots and to take him down and, you know, to win rounds and to do things like that. I thought that was very, very smart and very intelligent beyond his years. And I think... Having someone like Owen Roddy behind it, like I think Owen Roddy's getting a lot of, uh, you know, he's getting his name out there and stuff. But I think he's, like, you can see it all these, all these guys, even Dave as well. Like they're just calm, calmness. I think is a thing, and I think that's kind of I obviously wouldn't know him as well as you and other guys, but that seems to be the way he was when he was fighting and the way he is as a coach and his fighters fighting like that. I think I thought it was a phenomenal display from someone so young and you know so new to the sport and with 
not just someone young and new to the sport because okay maybe a guy has a game like that where the wrestlers they take you down and you know that maybe that's their game but his game was always kind of a, as a knockout artist and that's kind of I think how people viewed him but he showed that he's a well-rounded mixed martial artist and he can do everything I was very very impressed with it you're you you are um, so. the two that stood out for me Sean Joe McColgan yeah he was the one I was going to say next yeah and Reese McKee so we'll start with the Reese McKee fight and I would love to watch it back. I still haven't seen it back. Joke of referee. Do you think? It was terrible, yeah. It was awful. Like, he had a... Okay, it was probably Reece going to be finished. Me, I, I feel told worse me, for Reese. Yeah, was, no, exactly. Like, that was... Reese told me it was 11 shots on the ground. Yeah. Unanswered shots. First and foremost, you can't block a heel hook with your face. You... Like, I don't think so. Uh, spe- you're right. And here's he, my reason. He hadn't taken Watch enough. back on it. The shot that dropped Tommy, fair enough he hadn't taken enough in that instance, but he had most certainly taken enough in the fight, in my opinion. Ah, uh, no, the, I so. the jab put him down, looked relatively easy. He was able to swarm with ground and pound. Two of the shots from ground and pound stiffened Tommy, similar to the Overeem stoppage. And then one woke him up, and then he was able to defend and just get something. He, I think he... I can't remember how he ended up going for the... How he got the leg, I think it was from the scramble. After he had been knocked, he was able to lock the legs together. But uh, it was, de- it was definitely gone one way. But I think it was a little bit early. Yeah, I, and I think it's robbed Reese maybe of a good. Yeah, do you know what I mean? A good bit more experience against a guy who wanted to trade with him. Tommy had caught him a couple of times up until that point in the fight. It was an absolutely great match, but uh, had the potential to be a great fight. Yeah. I should say, but. Unfortunately, it was just we were let down that tiny bit. Mm. And real talk for one second, definitely my opinion that it's time for Tommy McCafferty to retire from mixed martial arts and focus maybe on coaching or doing his own thing for a little while. It's um pretty hard to watch. You know, the Teddy Violet knockout was one of the worst knockouts I've ever seen live. Same thing happened today. You know, being those you can't just take those shots anymore. You know, I would absolutely love to see. Tommy be able to focus on his gym, letter Kenny Muay Thai, be able to train some of the guys in Team Tires and Derry, you know, as opposed to maybe taking these fights. It's too um too risky enough at his age. Do you know what I mean? A long term girlfriend. Don't don't do it. Simple enough. So that was my one one thought from the the recent Tommy fight. You, however, Sean, agreed with me on one of the the other fights, Joe McColgan versus Peter Queeley. Yeah. And I believe you're gonna tell us what you thought. I thought that was an absolutely superb fight. Like I spoke earlier about some fights you confuse with amateur and brought this wasn't one of those. I thought this was one you might con- confuse with like a Bellator or a UFC fight, you know. Not okay, not a championship fight or anything like that, but this that kind of fight would have a place on, on a UFC card, I think. And look, first of all, let's uh, just on Peter Quilly before I get to, to Joe McCulgan and I have a lot of things to say about him, but people <laughs> And especially, I don't know, there's, there's this thing with, I don't know, a lot of English people in the media and stuff, and they have this hatred for Peter Queeley for some reason, and I'm not sure why. It's like, oh, he's he's terrible, he never should have been talked about in the OC. Like, I think Peter Queeley's a good fighter, and I thought he like he did pretty well late in the fight uh, at the weekend. Obviously, the start didn't go very well for him, and like he, Damon Martin said afterwards, if he'd won that fight at the weekend, he would have gotten signed by the OC. So, like, you have to feel bad for him, but I... I still think Peter Queeley has the ability to get to the UFC. I, uh, you know, I think there's a little bit of maybe he tries too much 
to be well-rounded. I, I don't know, maybe I think, maybe that's just me. I'd say that a little bit about Anthony Pettis and a lot of people like that. But I think, you know, if he did kind of what Redzer did at the weekend, take guys, take him down, use his wrestling a lot more, I think it would have done better now. That was tough against Joe McCoggan because his wrestling was, was so good. But in other fights, I, I, and I think that's that's the way to do it for him. But he's he's a guy who's he's putting it all together. I think, was it Pinforce like you were talking to afterwards and he said like, guys like Dylan Took and stuff put it together quickly. I mean, it took him a little, little bit longer. I think Peter Queenie might be one of those guys as well. Like when he was fighting in, in Africa, you could see you could see he was putting it together. And I think he's still he's still putting it together. It mightn't just have clicked for him just yet, but I think it's well, I think it has clicked actually, but I just think he, he's still improving and the click isn't you know, it's it's only been a year or maybe eighteen months or something and he's gonna improve and improve. I like okay, he's not I don't think he's gonna be a big knockout artist or, you know, a Conor McGregor type fighter, but I think, you know, he's a good He's a very good wrestler, a good fighter, throws with good hands. You love the body shot, Sean. Yeah, I think he's a very, very good fighter, and I still think he could he could get to the UFC. So I wouldn't like I wouldn't be ruling him out just yet. You know, I, uh, I you know you have to feel sorry for him, but to get to Joe McCalgan, I thought it was an absolutely fantastic spell. Like I wasn't expecting him to be that good. To be honest, I'd never seen him fighting before, and you know when you talk about guys, you're tinned like you tend to know him a little bit, and maybe also overestimate a little bit. Would you, was that be fair to say? And I thought, and you were like, oh, he's a very good fighter and stuff. And I was like, ah, oh, yeah, maybe you know this is just Andrew talking again, but he actually is really, really, really good. I was I couldn't have been more impressed seeing a guy fighting um, for the first time, and I, like I think he he could go into the UFC today. And fight, you know. He, I know he's only two and all, but he took out Peter Queeley, like who's a really, you know, what I've seen nine, ten, eleven fights into his Eight career. Eight and two, yeah, like fan, just a fantastic display. His hands look crisp. He take down the fence very, very good. When he did get taken down uh, later in the fight, defended very well. Peter Queeley found it very hard to pass his guard. I was very impressed. Everything like he looks like he hits hard. Queely took a lot of shots. Queely some chin in him too, after taking Quigley all those shots. He had his nose smashed as well. Yeah. I'd say it broken badly. Yeah, like he took a I lot of fucking like it was some fight. Yeah, it was very just impressed. so technical on the feet. Joe was ripping the body. Something that is my pet peeve here on this podcast: the lack of body shots in mixed martial arts at the moment. Joe McColgan said to the Bama matchmaker, she told me this afterwards, that he said, give me three clean body shots and I'll drop him or I'll take his gas tank out completely for the rest of the fight. Now, he got one. You know, he got one really, really nice one in the first round, but I think Queely is absolutely the toughest man on the circuit at the moment. Like, he took everything from Joe, put his hands up, took it, bared with it, and then dropped his hands and just started swinging again himself. You know, to me, that was, um, I think, like, Peter Quilly will probably regret taking this fight. He probably does already. I'm not too sure on the Joe for UFC Belfast thing. I think so many people on the night just got caught up in the euphoria of, like, I want to fight on UFC Belfast. Like, Joe's in no rush. You know, he has that 2-0. Like, fair enough, you could fight and win in the UFC. You go 3-0, but then you're matched with someone in UFC Fight Night Chicago which is on in the end of January, which means you're having to train all through January, train all through through Christmas, cutting down to 70 kilos for the first time ever again for Joe McColgan. You know, is that 155? Yeah, and he's moving back down to 155. So his next fight will be at 155 in this country. So to me, like I think Joe's going to chill for a while. That's what I would say. Like Maybe look for a fight in the next six months. But 
the guy who was in his corner, Sean, is a guy called Pat McAllister. He used to fight MMA years ago in the country. He is one of the best grapplers in the country by far. He is uh, He's doing the Nogi Worlds later on in November. So I think Joe is now going to be spending time just doing grappling rounds with Pat as well as maybe his boxing sessions that he has two or three nights a week. Yeah. So there you well. go. I'm really looking forward to it. And to be honest, yeah, you alluded to it. I was talking about it beforehand saying, like, this is going to be a great fight. More than anything, like, it's heartbreaking for Peter. Do you know what I mean? I do still think he's going to get his chance. I don't think it, it'll be straight away, but that's a guy who, ch- not chased a win as such, but thought one more win would solidify himself in the UFC. Yeah. You know, brave, like, oh, brave, yeah. like in fairness, completely. Like he could have sat out and waited. Yeah, fuck. Yeah, exactly. Just to mention a few more. Shane Kavanagh got another great finish. I think she, you know she can make uh, one thirty-five. She, she's destined for yeah, UFC. I think very close to one thirty-five. Like it's always just the last step. She said in the interview, it was uh, she give a great interview. Just if you get a chance to watch yeah. it, she did very yeah, like. Good. I knew you'd like her hands. She's very good. Very, I've been impressed with her, especially after seeing her in live as well. You can tell how much power she has. You know, very, very good. Um, I mentioned him earlier. Um, been for side as well. Had a good win. Uh, Johnny Jitsu, another knockout. Fucking Johnny Jitsu is having a an Indian summer in his career. Two knockouts now in a row. Unreal. Yeah. You didn't mention Ben Forsythe. You mentioned Bruce Forsythe. Did I? Yeah. No. <laughs> for the price is right. I mentioned Ben Forsythe as well. Oh, but yeah. Um. Uh, my main event was was Paul Redman. I said it all along. I think we spoke about his wrestling last week. I'd obviously listened to us a lot. I like. I think he's Andy Ryan can you know Andy Ryan take a break for a while. Myself and you will step in here now and corner Paul Redman. I think because he did exactly what we were talking about last week. Um, took him down. Showed he's how good his wrestling is. Phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal wrestling. He was a little bit disappointed. He told you afterwards in in his performance. I didn't think he'd anything to be disappointed about. As he said, getting the cobwebs out. And I think that's exactly what it did. Chris Stringer, um, it was impressive as well for me for a guy who's you know he hasn't fought in a good while, has he? Uh, I thought you know I thought he looked good as well against someone as good as as good as Redzern. There's a lot of good matchups there for Redzern the uh, on the uh, the local scene, a lot of lightweights around. You know, even Joe McCulgan, um, uh, Norman Park, even if he was fighting guys locally, you know, maybe not next or you know over next year, eighteen months possibly, but. Very, very impressed uh, with Redzer. What did you think? I would, just on that, I'd say it's unlikely because Joe was doing a good bit of training up in Team Rhino. Oh, they, he was going right. down to their sparrings on Thursday, I believe. And they were all singing his praises as well after the fight. Yeah. Next for Redzer, I don't know. I think they could try get him in a, on a title shot. I'm not too sure who the Bama lightweight champion is. Like, I'd love to see him fight someone like Tim Wilde. You know, at, yeah, he's in Cage Warriors, isn't he? I'm not too sure if he signed exclusively to Cage Warriors. Yeah, they were talking about it today somewhere. What about that fight? Yeah, yeah. be a good fight. I'll... What yeah. do you think? Like, is he? How, Paddy like, Bimlet. To be honest, oh, that's you just want everybody. Versus I always no, but I've said Rezor against Paddy Bimlet for ages. It's your first fight, answer but... to everything, yeah. Sean. Um, followed by Andrew McGahan versus Adam Ventra. But we'll get on to that later <laughs> on in the questions. Um, yeah. I thought Reds looked very good. The, I alluded to it in the interview that when the striking maybe didn't go his way, he knew he had the wrestling there. And against a guy who's been around as long as Chris Stringer, who looked as much better than he's looked in quite a long time, you know, for Reds to be hitting those takedowns cleanly and to solidify in position on top, like, I, 
I can't wait just to see him fight one or two more times, you know, because then he's going to start feeling loose again. Then the hands are going to come out. Then his submission game is going to come out. That was brilliant that he got so long in the cage at the weekend after so long out. You know, it would have been the worst thing in the world for him was to get a first round finish after what happened. You know, like just experience yourself, push yourself going through three rounds again. You know, and he give it all. You know, he was fighting for those takedowns through toot and nail to the very last breath. So, big win, big comeback for Paul Redmond. Yeah. Um, Philip Bott's fight we mentioned earlier on, just so frustrating. I thought he looked about as good as he could possibly look in, you know, people talking about McGregor running that fight. Just go and watch, go and watch the Philpott fight. His opponent just ran and ran and ran and ran for the whole fight, like two rounds down, and he was still running. It was one of the weirdest displays I've ever seen. Philpott, I think Philpott, you know, you speak speak to him a lot about maturity and stuff, and I think he did show his his maturity in that fight. I know he kind of did a couple of Nick Diaz's laid down on the ground and stuff uh, at the end, but I th- I thought the Flip way. The bird. Yeah, he he stuck to his guns for ninety nine percent of the fight and and did well. I, I like I thought I was impressed by the display to be honest. Um, considering what he was up against, fair play to him. I didn't see the main event now. What did uh, Andy Young uh, took a last day? That was a great fight. I was I I was sitting with royalty for that fight, Sean. You'll be happy to know who's that? Shane Heffernan and Dan Stretch. Oh, nice. I was Legends. up in Blocky Row Nine with the lads from Plunkets. You know yourself, just chilling. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a phenomenal fight, to be honest. I'd recommend anybody listening to watch to look it up. Andy just, oh, he lost the decision, but it was close. It was yeah. really close. To be honest, I thought it was him. I thought two and three, I think it was, that I scored were definitely his. You were paying attention anyway. I was, well, we were engulfed <laughs> in conversation, you know, about Plunkett's yeah. and uh, where Sean Sheehan. You know, the usual exactly. stuff. At home um, fucking covering him. Yeah, that's right. what I did see, Sadea has a beautiful tie clinch and really is effective from striking, from disengaging on it. Throwing versatile elbows, like cracking Andy Young completely with them. And I do think it's a fight that Andy Young could win again in the future. That title is definitely not out of reach for him. Do you know what I mean? It would have been a great, great weekend for Irish MMA, two world champions, as we alluded to earlier on as well. But who, um, who, who, hold on now, world champ? Who world champions? Who? Becky Lynch. Oh, Becky Lynch. Oh, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Jesus, okay. Sean. Come on. Sorry, apologies. Okay. Speaking of world champions, um, uh, Paddy Pimblett and Chris Fishgold took the Bama World Championship at the weekend. Uh, Paddy Pimblett has to be in UFC. Look, we we spoke about him last week. We mm. spoke about him loads of times. He got a, he got a knockout this one to this this fight to go with all his um. His uh, submission wins. We just know how good he is. We we know how good he is. He's if he's not in the UFC after this, he's like he's such a good character as well. He's hilarious. It takes a lot for me to like a Liverpool fan. You know, he's he has to be in the UFC. He's all the talent. He's the next star. He's he's the, the if you're to call now call for a next Conor McGregor, he's the next Conor McGregor. You know, okay, he mightn't. He might go and win a win a title there, but I think he's he's very good. I think his ability to get into top top ten featherweight or lightweight or wherever he goes, he's he's the ability to get up the world there. He he'll definitely win fights in the UFC, and I think he's ready. And now is the time, get him in there. Pull get him, that trigger. Get him in there for the Belfast card. I reckon we would definitely like to Norman see him Park. on the Belfast card. What? I'm fighting Norman Park. That's a big call. Mm, I like it. He said he'd struggle to make one forty five. If it was on such short notice, so put him in again, put him in lightweight. I think his future is at lightweight, to be honest. 
Yeah, I think he's still growing. Like he's so yeah. young, you know. And he he's cuts like a lot. Is he? Yeah, <clears throat> he's very young, and he uh, cuts a lot of weight to get there. Like, did you see the pictures of him at the weigh-ins from Friday? He looked like a completely different person. He looked yeah. really, really bad, yeah. to be honest. And just, uh, like, this is the time. Do you know what I mean? This is the time that he can capitalize over the next twelve to eighteen months. But, ah. Yeah. Uh, I'm just. I, I thought Fish, Chris Fishgold was was very good as well. I think he could definitely be in the UFC in the next while. But the cage riders are just and Bam as well. They're just producing so many great fighters. You know, I think there's a question about it later on about who's the best. I think they're both very very good, and there's, it's a good time for European MMA. Like Pim, yeah. like I can just one final thing. Like I can see him being picked up completely. Like you know, he needs to be signed. Do you know what I mean? Without a doubt, yeah. he needs to be in there as quick as possible. But. This if I'm if I'm Bellator, I offer him a shitload of money to to come. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, he's a star. Like he is a star. The Michael Venom Page. Exactly. Exactly. That's what the one. That's what the right. One. While you're pulling up a few questions, Andrew, I have no a couple. Of, Sean, as just as we finish. Yeah. You were missed on Saturday. Sheehan Nation was out in force. I was harassed. Good. Like. From as we always say it after a big event like that, cold bitter hearts here recording this podcast. Thank you all so much. Uh, it meant a lot. The kind words, getting to meet so many uh, fans of the podcast, chatting away to them, just in real life, making sure I wasn't being catfished or we're not being catfished. I took that damage, Sean. I could have potentially met a strange man. Okay. And I did that for you. Thanks. Just Good so man. we're clear. But Fair none plan. of our podcast listeners are like that, and it was great to see everyone. Thank you so much. Uh, oh, I know what you're talking about now. Oh, yeah, okay. No, I just mean, like, catfishing. Yeah, yeah. Do you know, like, if we Yeah, got, I understand. Yeah, I know what you're saying, Andrew. Yeah. Come on. We get, we get a lot of questions <laughs> from eggs on Twitter. Yeah, we do, yeah. So, yeah. I, w- I didn't want to meet an egg, okay? Put mm. it that way. So, take it away. Where can the good people find out about our sponsors? Just before that, let me... I have a couple oh. of shout-outs to give. We have a shout-out to... Uh, a, a, a man can, uh, contacted me there during the week... Uh, he's a film producer, and he was telling us about you know this new film that came out. Um, the name went just I can't think of it at the moment. One second, now. oh, Young Offenders, it's coming out. They were on two lads around the late show at, um, at the weekend, and with John Kavanagh as well. So apparently they're big fans of the podcast. So we said we I told them we give me a good shout out. Go and go and see the film. Young, it looks very funny about two young lads in Cork who are kind of like these scumbags who get cocaine and stuff and try to sell it and things like that. It looks very funny. So go and see that. Lads are big fans. And shout out as well to um, to Alan Murphy, our good friend from uh, yeah, ex Powerhouse MMA, who's going through a bit at the moment. So shout out to him. Uh, wishing Alan all the best. Um, but yeah, speedy recovery, Alan. Uh, exactly. Um, ROS Nutrition, head on over there. Start out, get yourself started out with some. Some protein, some vitamins, all that good stuff for good sponsors, good friends of the podcasts. You'll get 25 podcasts, podcast. You get 25% off your first order with the promo code severe MMA. Um, all that good stuff. Vitamin D, multivitamins. If you know, if you're an MMA fighter, even if you're just a lad lifting a few weights or trying to get healthier, whatever. Good way to start. Get 25% off your first order, promo code severe MMA, rosnutrition.com. Help us help you. Andrew, questions. Since we did put it into the running order, we never got to it. We have a question that covers it a little bit for you. Okay. The follow-up for Mr. Podge. Out of the current UFC roster, is there any fight out there that would break UFC 196's record? And the viewing figures for 196 were released. 
Oh yeah, one point seven million, I believe. One point seven. McGregor and Nathan Diaz broke the uh, their own record, I believe, of pay per view buys, which is which is huge. Uh, is there any fight that can break it? George St. Pierre versus a Rhino. George St. Pierre versus Conor McGregor. I think that's the only one probably that can break it. Um, yeah, and they maybe all that... involve Conor McGregor if it gets broken. That's they about do. it. There's nobody else. Yeah, so that's, I think that I think George St. Pierre versus Conor McGregor is the only one that can break it, unless unless it's all Conor McGregor. No, but I don't think it is. I think it's it's partly in Anthony as well. Obviously, Conor like Conor McGregor's a million a million boy star, but then when you have like uh, an unbelievable feud like the two of them have, it has to add something to it, you know. So I think there's definitely an addition to that. Now, if he's fighting Eddie Alvarez, it's going to be for the belt and stuff. If that happens. Um, I'd expect it to be huge as well, but it's going to be one point seven. You know, I'd expect it. I'd be more expecting it to be around the one point four or five, which is still absolutely huge. But you never know. Maybe this one point seven people who, who saw that fight it was an unbelievable fight. Maybe they told their friends, and maybe now they're going to all tune in as well. And their friends are going to, and you might have a two million buy the in your butterfly hand. Butterfly effect. You'd never, know. You'd never know. Farrell Connolly wants to know any chance of Bama rematching Tommy McCarthy and Reese McKee. He was disappointed with the stoppage. And he most wanted to see that fight at Bama. What do you think? Let sleeping yeah. birds lie. I don't think there's a need for it to be honest. I think it was going. I think we all know what way it was going, but I think it, it would have been nice to, to let it go that way, you know. And look, maybe as you said there, Tommy Carthy's taken, um, taken a lot of damage. Maybe it's a little bit of a blessing in disguise for him. Um, but you know, it was just a bad stoppage. I don't. I don't think we need. I don't think it's one we need to see again though. If if they made it, I wouldn't be too mad. It was a good fight. I think so. Sheehan's Tatos. Great man. How much damage does Queely's loss do to his UFC chances after being so close to stepping in a 202? Well, it does a lot. It probably won't get signed now. So, I think, you, as I said earlier, I think he eventually will, but it, you know, he's going to have to go out there and win two or three more fights maybe before it happens, I'd say. So, it's damaged him in the short term, but in the long term. If he, you know, if he's good enough, if he, and I think he is, if he can go and win a couple more fights, I think he'll be there. Kevin Higgins says, do you foresee a single European promotion becoming dominant? If so, which one? I'll just what? throw it out there. I don't think we will see one become dominant. No. You know, the market isn't big enough. Do you know what I mean? You can't be signing guys. I don't think, like, I don't like the way that Bam and Cage Warriors have guys to exclusive contracts. Do you know, I think it's like, or have like, permissions in their contract about guys being able to take fights elsewhere if the UFC come in and stuff like that that needs to change but you can't really because then the other people like everyone can't just gentlemanly agree not to do it you know and then someone releases their fighters and then oh no we've signed them so I think the two of them combined could put on a fantastic European super show that would get good traction but I think once there's two of them going against each other, then no one is going to step out further from it. No one is going to step out as the clear winner. Yeah, I think as well, you know, when you've up and coming guys, like like Ian Dean's going to pull out a Yuan and Jacek out of his back pocket from somewhere, like, or he's going to pull out like one of the Lapalus brothers or something like that, you know, or Joseph Tuffy, something like that's going to come back. And even the CF Bama are taking over, I'm, I'm talking about now. But I, I don't think so. I think... I think there's enough to go around, to be honest. I think there's, you know, good lads. We saw this week, you know, Pama had Redzer and 
Alan Philpott and Reese McKee and everyone else in their car and um, Kay George and Paddy Pimlet and Chris Fishgold and whoever else like this, there's you know both of them are going to do well I think you know if there, I think you wouldn't be to the behest of the fighters if there was only one promotion like okay Kay George did a great job of it really when they were the only one promotion at one stage but I think the world has kind of moved on now and I think there's enough for a couple and you see I think is it ACB as well they're putting on a good show in, in Glasgow they're another one yeah. I think Euro no, MMA putting on yeah so there's a lot of, there's a couple around like so yeah the more the merrier to be honest Fraser says oh it's one of the questions that you have to click into to expand oh, yes. he did the he did the note and screenshot good man he's basically talking about we want to know that since I don't like clickbait yeah. Wants to know thoughts on Bisbing and Cormier and Cormier and Cormier and Cormier Cormi with every click being a link to champions.co. Um, Fighters, if in case you don't know, are selling access, they're selling their social media accounts for websites to be able to share content. It's not too uncommon that guys will buy like pages or groups that have tens of thousands of members and will pay actual money for it just to be able to share their own stories out. Do you know, because it's a traction sort of thing. I dislike it. Jeremy Stevens spoke out about it last week and ended up saying that he didn't know they were doing that, so he just ruined his uh, contract with them straight away. I I think I think there's a little bit confusion here. That paper. I think there's um the one Jeremy. I'm not sure who Jeremy Stevens is, but you see Jake Shields. He's like with uh, in MTV Sports or some shit like that, and that's all clickbait bullshit. Yes, like. completely. Well, I don't think that champions that CEO is. I think they have one of those deals, you know, like Daniel Cormier is writing this article where really there's some journalist rings up Daniel Cormier and he's like, oh, Daniel, what do you think of CM Punk? He's like, oh, I'm a big WWE fan. And then the journalist writes the article and then Daniel Cormier goes, oh, here's my article I wrote. You know, that that sort of thing. Um, <clears throat> so I think that's it. I don't think there are, and I think, okay, he's getting paid for that, obviously, and he's getting paid to tweet out all their articles, but I don't think... He's actually, I don't think it's clickbait. It's like me, you know, if Pizzi posts up an article, it's like me tweeting it. That's, you know, that's not clickbait. I'm just like, you know, Pizzi tweeting out my article, you tweeting out Pizzi's or Ryan's article or something like that. That's just the way kind of things work like that. And especially like if you're getting paid money like them, it's going to happen. I don't think, I actually haven't seen too much of it, but I don't think that champions.co is is doing clickbaity shit. I think, you know, I think it's more of a fun kind of website, you know, people giving their opinions and stuff. And they do, I think they do real coverage as well and good. So I haven't read too much of it, to be honest. Crooklyn's working from as well, so she's not going to be working for some two-bit website I respect cooking an awful lot so I think it's uh, you know I don't think they're that bad to be honest the myth buster himself ladies and gentlemen Sean Sheehan yeah debunking all your <laughs> online conspiracy theories right here on Severe MMA Podcast mm. Andy Cowan wants to know would it make sense for a smaller promotion like Bama to put on Friday shows instead of Saturday 24 and 26 were against other major sporting events which probably hurt the numbers Big day of sport on Saturday. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Friday nights? Are we going to go that way? He also thanked me for the help last week. So shout out Andy Cowan. Did a lot of great work last week. He was helping Severe MMA out. I think Friday nights are okay, but not Sunday nights. No, think. never after a fight. Never Sunday nights. Not no. the UFC three in a row hangover sort of thing. Not a hope. Uh, Definitely, I love a fight on a Friday night before going to the fights. on. Like Even if there were smaller, smaller yeah. cards like... See, the problem is what time Cagers kicked off at half four on Friday or on Saturday. Like, if you were have to have that on a Friday, there'd be people still working. Like, you know, and Dublin traffic as well on five o'clock on a Friday. Oh, would you it's going to be tough. See, there you go. 
Keen O'Connell says, is Debunking again. The, <laughs> excellent. Is Edmund the biggest fraud in MMA? How does he keep attracting UFC fighters to a gym with such a bad reputation and record? Well, like apart from Andrew McGann, he's the biggest fraud in MMA, I'd say. Ah, yeah. here. <laughs> am I taking the piss? No, you're not. I, I am. Come on. Come on. Are you don't, so forgive me, Andrew. Come on. We can't go on the podcast like this if you don't forgive me. Okay, fair enough. Okay, yeah, Edmund is the biggest fraud. What do you think? Is there any other big frauds? There's yeah, there's a couple of frauds, but I think uh, I think Edmund's probably the biggest. All right. Potentially. But like he's pretty much ruined everything about Travis Brown in the short space of time that he's been training <laughs> under him. Yeah, yeah that's, that's very enough. impressive. Like that's more impressive than teaching somebody something. Being able to make them forget something is far harder, like. That's a skill, and he should have got a Guinness World oh. Record for that. Like, wherever Travis Brown goes next, he'll have a good base from which to work. It'll be like CM Punk, like, you just basically have a blank canvas. Exactly. Yeah. It'll be fine, like, it's like this is a creative fighter. Exactly. Put a mohawk on him and send him around for 10 minutes, like. <laughs> just, Put blue shark on him. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's just scandalous. Yep. Scandalous. Okay. I'm after, Sean, I pressed the forward button. I'm after skipping out of the questions. We're back, we're back, we're back. <coughs> Open Eamon your eyes Wants to know Is two and a half months Enough time for Conor McGregor To recover from a five round fight And prepare for Alvarez Should he rest up properly That's a question I'm getting a lot of I'm not, I don't know To be honest Normally For normal human beings You probably say It's not enough time But Conor McGregor's As we've seen in the past He's not a, a normal human being He does thinks his own way You know So I don't know, I think he can do it, definitely, but uh, whether it's the wisest thing or whether, you know, he's probably going to be getting a lot of money, so maybe, I don't know. Won't I don't have to cut as much weight either. Yeah, exactly. So, there is all that. Um, Daniel Bradley says, this is a quick fire one, Sean, who do you think would win these potential matchups following okay. UFC 203? So, it's we're going to give answers, answers. Stipe and Kane. Stipe. Kane. Fabrizio Verdum and Josh Barnett. Uh, Verdum. Verdum. Mickey Gall versus Super Sage Northcutt at 170. What do you think? Mickey Gall would wreck him on the ground. I think Mickey Gall is on. Goes to the ground. He's sage as fucked. Jimmy Rivera versus Brian Caraway would watch, but Brian Caraway probably takes it. Yeah, I think Caraway as well. Uriah Faber versus Brian Ortega at 145. Who do you think? Mm, Ortega, probably. This is, this is the start of the Faber downward slope. Ortega is big as well. I'm not that impressed with Ortega, though. I don't think he's that good. And especially if he's a guy who likes uh, T-City, like if if he lets your eye on top of him, that's not good. If he tries to take your eye down, your eye could guillotine him. I know, it's a tough one. Exactly. And I, I'm going to go your eye Fuck it. Excellent. We'll get on to the next question. Adam Ventra says, how about me and Andrew in a grappling match after he's talking shit about me on the podcast? No, thank you, Adam. Look, we squashed that. That beef has been squashed now. Jesus. Wait, what do you mean? Oh yeah, of course it had. Like I don't know, he was. Yeah. You see, he no, was on a mad one today on Twitter. Yeah. Like he wasn't. He was only taking the piss. I think he was only taking the piss. Yeah. So I. Um, I heard you said you'd fucking chuck him out in two minutes. Is that true? I didn't say that at all, Sean. That's not true <laughs> in the slightest. You're gonna record it now, or like cut up my audio saying that at different times and be like, I hate you. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Be funny though. There should be a role never hurt anyway. It'd be like fucking CM Punk against uh Mickey Gall, would it? Uh, Although you're better, better. Yeah, no, yeah. he's uh he's a brown belt. 
He's good. He comes from a respected gym. You know, he's training with Paddy Pimblet all the time. He's got absolutely phenomenal grappling. Do you think you could beat CM Punk? A hundred percent. I tap CM Punk in two or three minutes. Without nice. a doubt. I want to see this. You should call him out. Why would I call him out? Fight CM Punk in the fucking UFC. In the UFC? Yeah. I start a campaign, I'll do a bit of striking for it. Yeah. A 100%. Even, even with the weight difference, I would tap CM Punk out. No hands on it. I was going to tweet there earlier on, what CM Punk needs is a, a 155er who, who who has no wrestling. A 155er striker who has no wrestling, but I thought too many people go, oh, what, you want her to fight Conor McGregor, is it? So I just didn't bother. Oh, Sean. Jake Searle wants to know, who would you rather see Cowboy fight at 205? A 205, or a UFC 205, just yeah. have to the Nor me, of course. Habib, I, I might have been the only person in the world who wasn't really that interested in the Cerrone against Robbie Lawler fight. I say it in hushed tones, but now that it's gone, not that disappointed. You know, it's a good fight, but I think uh, I'd rather see him fight Habib. Here's a good one for you, Sean. Aaron Cullen wants to know, what's more likely, Paddy Pimblett to win the UFC title or Liverpool to win the league? <laughs> Paddy Pimblet to win the UFC title, of course. Which Cage Warriors have a bet on, charity bet with Paddy Power, Paddy Pimblet to knock out Conor McGregor to beat Conor McGregor. Wasn't knockout though; was just beat him. Wasn't to it? beat him, yeah. By twenty twenty, they've put two grand on it at uh, at very good odds as well. If I was Conor McGregor, I'd be like, "Yeah, take that. Here, here does five million. Here, Paddy, come on, let's fight. Just let's fucking see go what down." This is one that I don't really get, okay? Photopack said, Did MMA Media lose credibility with their pre-fight coverage of Brooks? Extended interviews, documentaries on the dogs, etc. Did he call him Brooks? Yes, he did. There you go. That says enough. That's a troll, is it? <laughs> no, but that's... that's a, I, People, you know the difference between people who call him CM Punk and call him Phil Brooks. Just people who hate him call him Phil Brooks, basically. Uh, that's what I think. I don't know. No, they didn't. This this was a famous guy coming in fighting MMA with zero and zero. Even if he wasn't a famous guy, even if it was just anyone fighting zero and zero in MMA, they would have got a lot of coverage. Or not in MMA, but in the UFC. You know, I think they would. Maybe, okay, maybe not as much... Maybe not as much as him. Like that, that, um, what's his name? The um, United um, UFC signed this. I think he's a Russian wrestler who's like a real stud wrestler and he's going to be fighting the UFC from his debut. So he's going to fight in zero. And zero. I'm sure they're going to give him a lot of coverage now. Maybe exactly. not at the same level as CM Punk, but like he's kind of a relatively famous guy who's this huge prospect. I'm, I'm sure, sure, there's you'll see an embedded about him and, and shit like that. He might be even be on the main card. You know, I think that's that's probably going to happen now, as I say. And that's a different level to CM Punk. So if you see it for him, what do you expect for CM Punk? Sean, what are your thoughts on Joe Rogan's stance not to interview fighters after they've been finished? Yeah, I, I kind Fair of agree with this. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Fair. I've thought it for a while. It's a really, really bad thing. Nico Vidal, our strip artist, says he called me yeah. a twink. And why didn't I interview those hot ring girls at Bama? Yeah, Andrew, why not? He promised if you did that he'd make me a Wonderboy strip, me a Wonderboy. Oh, really? Yeah, and you didn't do it. So now it's not coming. Sorry about that. Can we do it next time? Will you promise? Yes, of course. Okay, there you go. Of course. Um, The Irish Karen, we've just got two or three more, Sean, before we go. Did Robbie Lawler make the correct decision by pulling out of the cowboy fight? Yes. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, uh, he, I didn't see it fully, but I think he pulled out because he felt he didn't have enough time to recover after his last fight. Was that it? 
Um, I think so. Yeah. It was just a little bit weird, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I'm fault that, really. One Mr. Podge, I suppose, with the penultimate. Are fighters mortgaging their futures going to TriStar and Jackson? The cost, if they don't make it, must be heavy. I suppose it's the yeah. same with fighters travelling anywhere, to be honest. Yeah, I suppose. So that's a little bit crap. And I think San, Di- San Diego's very expensive as well, isn't it? To live in. Just so. to live in. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, really bad. Yeah. So that's um, that's it. I did you say have to that speculate was speculate the- Exactly. I did say that was the penultimate. I'm just trying to find one. Oh, the man that I was able to meet uh, uh, during the during the week, John Harker. Big fan of Severe MMA podcast. He was uh, working at Bama, some at the weigh-in, some at the press conference. He had a question to finish it off here. Edmund's actions while cornering, do they prove his in, uh, inadequacy? Inadequacy. Inadequacy, yes. Yeah, Did he provoke Verdum? Mm, a little bit. I, like Verdum isn't blameless. It's just like nobody oh, yeah. cares about Edmund. It's just Verdum oh. through the first kick. Like. Yeah, Verdum is bad, yeah. Here, Edmund, just one last thing. Yes. One last thing here on, on CM Punk. I remember just uh, like a, maybe a closing thought. I remember someone a few months ago said <laughs> the UFC signed CM Punk, but they didn't realize they'd end up with Phil Brooks. And I, you know, just that we were talking about Phil Brooks, it's kind of weird that that actually kind of happened. You know, you had this guy who was great at cutting promos and a great wrestler, and you had a guy who didn't say anything and was a terrible fighter. So that was. That was a little bit unfortunate, wasn't it? That's some big parting words, Sean. Mm-hmm. I love it. I appreciate it. Episode 85 in the books. The Severe MMA podcast is finally done. Sean, a late one. Thank you so much for the extended time. It's We're okay. in it's our, right. it's well, it's, it's right. like one o'clock. I was, I def, Sean, there'll be editing done on this. There will, yeah. I definitely was talking some brown earlier on. Like, I that, was nearly, Yeah, sure. That time you said you choke out Adam Vintra, that was fucking Oh, awesome. well, I didn't actually say that. Now, in fairness, <laughs> CM Punk, on the other hand, he'll get a few dukes coming, you know, yourself. <laughs> Shadow boxing here on the fucking sofa already. Anyway, thank you so much to everybody for listening. Head on over to Twitter, twitter.com at SevereMMAPod. Look us up on Facebook. Look up Sean Sheehan MMA on Facebook as well. It's a like page that I still have not and will not like, ladies and gentlemen. Um maybe before the next McGregor fight I'll consider it just to keep you happy maybe just before Christmas if he doesn't fight there Um, what else have we got to uh, tell everyone of course orestnutrition.com great sponsors and friends of the podcast head on over to at Severe MMA on Twitter at Pete Carroll at Niall McGrath look up Steve and Sean the UK wing of Severe MMA as well and give them a little follow and say hey Head on over to SevereMMA.com All over Irish MMA All over everything last weekend UFC 203 Nile on the floor Steve down at Cage Warriors Myself at Bama It was absolutely brilliant Sean I am delighted I am motivated I am tired as shit Over the last 5 or 6 days I am going to sleep all night tonight I am so excited It'll be nice for you I hope you have a good night's sleep I can't wait. I was I was going to try to cut it off at two hours there, but I didn't realize you have some editing to do. So oh, we've a lot of editing to do, so it's not going to be anywhere near two hours. So you're grand. So I hope so. everyone enjoyed that last one hour and fifty six minutes of MMA talk. And do you know what, Andrew? What, Sean? We'll see you next Tuesday. <laughs>